Um, we are in the book of Hebrews, so uh, we've been going one chapter each week, and we've gone five weeks. We're in our sixth week. We kind of divided up a little bit different this time, so we have the tail end of Hebrews chapter 5, and then we're going to go through Hebrews chapter 6. But what... Uh, has taken place over the last several weeks as we've been reading is it's kind of laid the foundation saying this is what Jesus was all about. This is who Jesus was. This is why it's so critical. And kind of laid that foundation and pointed to all of these different illustrations to say this is who Jesus is and what makes Jesus so unique and so important. And it's really where we get lots of our theology about Jesus is those first several chapters of the book of Hebrews. And it's going to continue to talk about that as we go through uh, later chapters in the book. But this kind of, uh, there's a little bit of a tone shift this week where it kind of looks at the journey of faith. It kind of now personalizes some of the things that have been said and says, how do you deal with kind of the Christian walk? That's terminology sometimes that we use now in our culture and our time. Like kind of that, that, that journey, that up and down, that roller coaster kind of view. Let me kind of tell you the mistakes that I've made sometimes in this kind of kind of Christian walk kind of mentality. I think sometimes I've gone about thinking about how I'm at in my relationship with God kind of on a day to day basis. I don't know if you have this kind of conversation with people regularly. I bet you do. Where like you talk to somebody, it happened to me five times this morning already, where you talk to somebody and you say, how are you doing? How was your week? How was your day? You know, this, and this is kind of how we think sometimes. Is that we're thinking, how was my day like like today or last week? How do I feel right now? What is like, am I tired at this very moment? And sometimes our journey of faith kind of feels like the ups and downs of daily life where we might be tired one day, we might be achy one day, we might have a little cold. And it kind of feels like our relationship with God is almost as unstable as kind of the moods of the day. And that's kind of sometimes how I feel It's like sometimes I feel like I'm not feeling it today or I am feeling it today. And it's kind of like that. It's almost in some ways, uh, I want to challenge you to something a little bit longer term thinking. Because it's important for us to reflect on if we are here for a long period of time in our relationship with God, what is the year over year movement of our Christian walk like? Because we can get stuck in the week-to-week look at what we feel like in this particular week. But what a shame it would be if we looked at five years that had gone by and there wasn't a movement closer and closer to God. Um, And it is something that is easy to happen in our life. Because as adults, kind of, we kind of get into these, these like long decades of not major changes going on. We'll go like 10 years where we lived in the same house and had the same job and nothing dramatically changed. When you're younger, you don't have the opportunity to do that because there's always change. There's always push. There's always that next challenge. But when we get older, it's harder in some ways. Well, I want to challenge you today, and this is kind of what the scripture challenges us today, is to kind of look at the long-term look 
of our spiritual walk instead of like the day-to-day walk. And the thing, the picture that came to my mind um, was kind of like uh, a stock market uh, chart. You guys have seen those, right? You see them and you're kind of like, they have all these charts all over the place and you see kind of the ticker going up and down. If you watch certain stations, they may even flash a little graphic where it's like, this is how the stock market is doing. You know, and it's like today the stock market was up 100. Today the stock market was down 200. Today it was up a little bit in the morning and down in the afternoon because of this and that. And it's kind of like that. And there are people that live their life day trading. Anybody know what a day trader is? Okay. Day traders are the people who all they do is they don't really care about the long-term viability of the economy or a stock. But what they do is if the mood is down for a moment, they capitalize on that. And as soon as that move changes upwards, they sell and they're in and out and they buy a stock within minutes and make like a nickel on a stock or something like that. And all they're doing is they're playing on the moods that take place within the financial market. Just a little bit of a mood swing between one stock or another, okay? And so, so there's people that do this and make a living kind of on the mood swings of the market, but the, there's other people that say the real, the long-term strategy is just ride it out for the long-term and over the course of time. That's going to be more successful. Well, uh, we're not talking about the stock market today. I'm not going to give you any stock tips today. But um, does anybody know what the biggest company in the world is today as we speak right now? Go ahead. Shout it out if you think you know. No searching on your phones. Shout it. What was it? Amazon. Amazon. You are incorrect. That is number three right now. Microsoft. Microsoft. What did you say? Facebook is, I think they're in the top 10, but it's not, uh, not up there with the big guys. Uh, somebody said Apple is number two. Google is number four. Microsoft is number one. Andre, uh, Andre was correct. Microsoft right now is the only company in the world that its stock value is over $1 trillion. They have a value over a trillion dollars. There's been three stocks in the history of the United States that have been over that mark, but currently Microsoft is the only one that is valued over a trillion dollars. This is what Microsoft looked like this week, okay? Microsoft, uh, right now its market cap is $1.05 trillion. So their stock uh, on Friday closed at $137.06. And that is where it closed. But you see, it started the week. It kind of went down and it was down in the dumps. Popped up a little bit, went down a little bit. And you see that that's kind of like a weak look. And there might be a week where it doesn't look so good or it's, it's a little bit better. This was an okay week. It's up a dollar. So if you put in some money this week on Monday for Microsoft, let's say just some pocket change, maybe $135,000, you know, just, just pocket change. Um, at the end of the week, you would have $137,000. Not a bad week, uh, $2,000 up. But this is Microsoft's Look over the course of last several, multiple years. Look at this. This is what they looked like in the 90s compared to today where it was, 
you know, just like way less than a dollar all the way up to uh, $137. Uh, billions and billions of dollars in value that had increased over the course of the long haul. We, we think if you see the first, you know, the first picture, that's sometimes how we live our life. My challenge today is that we live our life thinking about uh, those long-term, those long-term gains, those, those closer walks with God over the course of a long period of time. We all have to deal with the weeks that are up and down, but hopefully we can look back at multiple years that have taken place and we're tr- we are trending upward. So let's read. In the book of Hebrews, and I'm going to start in Hebrews 5.11, and we're going to kind of go through where um, uh, these encouraging words and also these words of warning in the book of Hebrews, how to apply that information about Jesus in our lives. It says this in Hebrews 5.11. We have much to say about this, and it's kind of continuing on after it talks about all these things that Jesus was. And the picture last week was Jesus is the high priest. So it's like, we can say lots and lots of things about who Jesus is. We can keep talking about this, but we have a lot to say about this, but it's hard to make clear to you because you know, uh, you no longer try to understand. In fact, though, by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over Again, you need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites and laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, the, and eternal judgment, and God permitting, we will do so. So let's just pause right there. We're going to continue on in a moment. But it, he's, he's laying the foundation of the last several chapters. We said, this is what Jesus is all about. This is your hope. This is your salvation. This is where you find truth. You have to understand that clearly. And that is the foundation that we should stand upon. And it's important for us to think about that and reflect on that. But he's saying, all right, so this is, this is kind of the elementary foundational teachings These are the things that you need to know and you need to deal with and it needs to stand. But now, is there things that we can move forward to? Is there something else that we can move past and move on? Is there something that we can look to? And it says uh, in verse six, we move beyond those elementary teachings and we're taken forward. We're taking forward to maturity. You know, how frustrating of a world it would be if you if the elementary kids at Vista Peak Exploratory showed up every day and they went to math class and they said, today we're going to uh, talk about two plus two. And there's a day where you need that. There's a day where you got to talk about that. I remember my daughter when she was really young. She, uh, 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 my son is into math. And so we used to quiz him on math questions when he was like in second grade and he, he would try to answer them and he thought it was fun. Uh, 
most kids don't think that's fun. He thinks it's fun. But um, you can quiz him later if you'd like to. But my daughter was kind of there listening before she had really started school. And she was kind of like wanted to get in on the action. But she had no real concept of math. And so we were like, all right, I'm going to give you a math question. Are you ready? I said, Riley, what's two plus two? And she looked at me. She said, ooh. That's a toughie. And she, like, that was her answer. And like, of course, there's those moments, right? Where we're at two plus two. We need to have those conversations. We need to say, you know what? Jesus is the risen Savior. Put your faith and trust in him. And it's always going to be a part of the foundation that we talk about. It's always going to be a part of the count. The conversation. These are things that are important that all of us need review and refresher on. But it's saying something. You know what? If that's where it stops, how sad. How sad that if it stops at a place where all you're doing is you're kind of stuck in the, the era of drinking milk and you haven't moved on to solid food. How sad would it be if year over year you're looking back and you're kind of just having to deal with the same question over and over? Am I going to put my faith in God or do I need to, you know, do I have to repent again and, and turn to God again over and over again? And he's saying something. The author is saying, like, let's build on something big. Let's do let's start building something that is longer term. Let's start thinking about this not in just like the week-to-week increments, but even longer term. What kind of the conversation that is going on in this scripture is talking about, um, instead of like emotional day-to-day approach, a legacy. That's what it's talking about. It's saying, what kind of legacy are you building for the long term in your life? What kind of things is your, I mean, these big questions of the, the things that you're really leaving behind and what your life is marked for what the important values that you're instilling for the long term. And how sad would it be if us people of faith that gather here regularly, even year after year, and we look back and we're like, I'm the same person. That's depressing. And in many ways, people have come up against that wall in their faith sometimes. Where they're like, this is kind of where I'm at, and I've set this, and this is, but this is where I've stayed. And over the course of time, it gets really frustrating. And we look at God, and we can get frustrated and say, isn't there more? Well, the, this passage is saying, of course there is. It's time, in some ways, to grow up. That God permitting will do something more. We will move forward. So the question that like is presented to all of us is what are we moving forward in right here and now? What foundation are we building? What layers are we building for something that is deeper and long term? And so that's in verse three, what it says, God permitting, we will do so. And you can almost hear the emotion in the author's voice. God, help us. Hopefully we're building something here. Hopefully it's worthwhile. Hopefully it's something significant that is growing year over year. Or What in the heck are we doing? Right? And so this is the tone. And then it shifts to kind of saying, why? Why do we need to do this? If it, 
why do we do this? And it says in the next verses, and it gives us a stern warning, that if we aren't moving forward, there is a definite possibility and opportunity to go backwards. And that's exactly what comes next. It says this in verse 4. It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who has shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age, and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance. So they're lost. They're crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. Land that drinks in the rain, often falling on it and produces crops, a crop useful to those whom it is farmed, receives a blessing of God. But land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and is in danger of being cursed. In the end, it will be burned. Even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are convinced of better things in your case. The things that have to do with salvation. God is not unjust. You will not forget your work and the, and, and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help him, them. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end so that uh, what you hope for may be realized. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those whom through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. So this section right here is kind of talking about overcoming. The first thing that we're dealing with is this challenge to grow deeper, to move on to maturity. But the author is saying, if we're not moving forward, the likelihood is you will be moving backwards. The likelihood is, is that you will fall into a place where you are just like having to deal with the same things over and over. It is a powerful, wonderful moment when people come to a place of repentance and come forward and say, God, I humbly need your forgiveness and grace. And it is the most powerful, beautiful moment in people's lives. Life-changing, profound, powerful But if that happens every week over and over for five years, there's a point in time where it becomes pathetic. It kind of becomes sad where it's like I have to do this over and over again. And and like there's nothing that has gone forward. There's no progress that has happened. It's almost like, you know, a friend coming back to you over and over and asking forgiveness for the same exact thing. And the first time you're, you're, you're touched by it, but the hundredth time, it's, t- it's wearisome, right? And at some point in time, you're like, really? What's going on? Are we going to move past this ever again? And it's an interesting scripture. And there's lots of uh, kind of theological conundrums that are found right here in these passages of scripture. And I want to just kind of briefly touch on them. But I, I, I don't want to get into the, in the weeds with it. But it really, it, it opens up several things. And there's kind of two wings of the church, okay? There's two points of emphasis that, you know, are kind of on opposite counterpoints. One point of view would really strongly emphasize the kind of eternal security of people's salvation. So... Just we're taking a pause here for a second to deal with the theology here. So like this is a little bit of a parenthesis. I'll try not to go too far into this, but I think I want to deal with it because it's a little bit of a thorny uh, scripture. So so one side of the equation, there's people that have like emphasized eternal security. 
And the points of emphasis with groups that emphasize this is that salvation is once and for all. That there's that one moment in time where you pray and you confess God into your life. And that one moment in time is once and now and all and forever. And that is an important thing. And so uh, many uh, groups that emphasize that, the date of when you were accepted Christ into your life is very, very important. That story is very, very important. Because the, the emphasis there is that God shows up and does what only God can do. And it's at that point in time we are saved. And because it's totally an act of God, God's salvation is by grace alone, that once that happens, that is, that moment in time is now and forever, and that is it. In many ways, this is a powerful thing because it's emphasizing the act of God, that God is gracious and God is the only one that can save us. And that's a very important truth. But there's a little bit of a weakness and an overemphasis on this kind of theological point of view is it becomes a little bit or can become a little bit like people are playing out a movie script in a way that that moment in time God chose us we accepted salvation and then no matter what happens next it doesn't really matter God pointed in that one point in time that was like your salvation moment and God chose for you to be saved in that moment And uh, that's it. It's God doing it, and it has nothing to do with us. There's a little bit of a weakness around that if it's overemphasized, and we forget about the fact that there's stuff moving forward. Okay? That's, you know, of course, there's errors if you overemphasize anything. On the other side of the theological perspective is that there's more of an emphasis on relationship with salvation. That salvation is a reconciliation of our relationship. So it is, we have sinned and we have harmed our relationship with God and you have to repair and reconcile that relationship. And God comes before us and offers us opportunity to be reconciled. But there's an emphasis on that moment of saying, I am humbly trying to repair that relationship and I'm responding to God's offer of forgiveness. And so it's a little bit more of an emphasis on kind of that relationship. The weakness in that point of view is it could, it's, it's not clear. As we know in any relationship, it's kind of like, how's your marriage right now? Well, you know, this morning we had a good conversation, but later I plan on having an argument with my spouse. So, I mean, it's, it's, kind, of like, it's kind of like unclear. It's very gray. And there's been times where people or groups have overemphasized this and like, There's a moment in time where you have a weak moment and all of a sudden people are like, well, you don't have a relationship with God anymore. It's almost like this eternal insecurity that like I am just I I, I can't ever uh, be clear on my relationship with God. So there's a weakness in that point of view as well. I think that the truth is is in the scripture in lots of different places is is both and and those are complementary kind of points of view. Um, and so I tend to not get like too extreme in those views one way or another. But what it's what we're talking about is uh, ultimately at the end, it's saying, don't be lazy. Don't fall away. Don't lose your focus. Don't miss the mark. So 
the, the point is, is it should be something that goes on, that is going on. Now, people ask me sometimes, how does the transaction take place with salvation and all these things? And really, I try to take a practical approach with it because it's really hard to figure that out. And sometimes we make the mistake of looking around and asking God, what is it that I need to do in order to be okay? Because I just, I, I want us to be good. God, are we good? What's, what do I have to do? What's the minimal amount I have to do for us to be good, okay? And that is missing the point, right? And that is kind of focusing on the wrong things. And I think people who are, of course, they're trying to work out these things and articulate it and understand how God relates to us. So these are big theological questions. But it can be a little bit of missing the point. Because what I would tell anyone is if they came to me, I'd say, how is your relationship right now with God? How, is it thriving? Is it growing? Is it moving forward? Like, the reality is, is I am not, and you are not, the judge of anyone's eternal salvation. God is. But I will personally advise you as your pastor that it's something that it should be growing, right? And if you came to me and said, yeah, like I said a prayer at one point in time a long time ago, and I'm good, right? And there's nothing like moving forward, I would be worried for you. I would have concern. I would, I would be worried that you're following to in a category that the scripture is talking about here, like, don't like be complacent. Don't be lazy. This should mean something. It should be something that is moving forward and growing. If you came to me and were talking to me about your marriage relationship in that same way, I would also be concerned. We get that, right? Like, imagine if somebody came and said, well, you know, I've been married for 18 years now. I have been married for 18 years now. Um, Been married for 18 years now. Uh, How's everything going? Well, you know, 18 years ago, I said, uh, told my wife that, you know, yeah, I love you. And I'd like to marry you, and I'll let you know if anything changes. But that's, that's kind of where it stands. 18 years ago, I got married. So that's it. That's it? There's no other stories? There's nothing else that's happened over the last 18 years? Would that be just a sad picture? Would that just be disappointing? And is there more? And that's, what the, that's the point of what's going on here. So... There's maybe all kinds of discussions that we could have at another day as, as how the transactions are taking place or whatever. But what I just tell you is don't miss the point of what it's saying is it's saying move forward because if you're not moving forward, you're probably moving backwards. If you're not moving forward, are we are we just going to have to go and pray that prayer over and over again and put Christ back up on that cross again for you over and over and over? What in the world are we doing? Is there something that we're doing to move forward? This is a great challenge that all of us have to deal with. That year over year, it should be something that is moving forward, that is growing. Because there's an incredible danger to continually be sinning 
and continually doing the same thing over and over, year after year, and never move forward. And God is saying, there's something better and greater than that. Let's go on. It says in verse 13, it says, when God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. People swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear. To the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. He's become the, a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. And I know we mentioned Melchizedek last week. I didn't get into it. We mentioned it this week. There's more Mikil, Mik, you, you got it. Coming, and so I'm not dealing with it yet. But I want you to hear, it's, it's playing off of what we already read before. And it's talking about the certainty of God's promise. It's firm and secure. That there is... That this is an anchor for our soul. That you have received all the things that have been promised. It, it, it points to Abraham and it says, look, Abraham was promised something and it didn't come to fruition until multiple years later. This is sometimes the journey of faith that it's year over year that it takes until that promise is fully fulfilled. Don't give up. Don't quit. Persevere. Continue on. Be greatly encouraged because there's a firm and secure feeling if, you're, if you've anchored your life and you've moved on from the elementary teachings and you've set those things aside and you've put your foundation and said, my foundation in my life is firmly on Jesus Christ. Then you can start building. You see what it's saying? It's like my anchor is firm and secure. So now I can build. Now I can move on. If you just continue have to lay that foundation of elementary things over and over and over and never get to the building of the house, you're going to miss something. And it's not the, the, the point that God wants in your life. God wants you to thrive. He wants you to build. He wants you to do something and build on something year over year that is powerful and inspirational and tangible and you can see it growing and moving. And so these are really the concluding thoughts for the first section or almost the first half of the book. Where it says all these things, just settle it in your mind. It's firm and secure. God's an anchor for your soul. Let's build something. Build something. Incredible and amazing. These challenging words should come to us and it should give us all a moment where we stop and reflect. And we all need to stop and reflect and ask ourselves, what is it that we're building? What is it that we are 
developing year over year. What is the, what, you know, I've laid these foundations. What is it now that we're moving forward to? And, you know, if it's a point in time, and I think all of us maybe have these moments where we can look back and say, not that much has changed in the last few years. Then it's time to really reflect on, you know, what, what are those daily things that are, are, are we putting up one more kind of brick every day? And is it something we're building on day after day? Are we, are, are we putting those layers in? Are we developing something? Are we engaging deeper in our relationship with God? If, if you're kind of at the same place that you've been for a long time, it's probably time to kind of stretch yourself a little bit. It's probably time maybe to step out and do something a little bit different than what you've done in the past. I know what it's been for me in my life. It's been for me times where mentally things changed for me, where it wasn't about who can help me, and it was about me saying, how can I help others? And that was just, that's a major change. Where all of a sudden I said, you know what? It's not about me just being a participant. It's about me helping others participate. It's about me helping other people come and understand God. And, and like taking that next step. It's about me like then and there's other areas in my life where I'm like, you know what? I'm, I, I'm getting older now. It's probably time to put away some of those kind of youthful indiscretions and move forward. It was kind of like, okay, you can get away with it in your 20s. My 20s were a long time ago. And maybe we need to have some of those conversations and moments. You know, instead of being the person that people look back on and like say, well, you know, that's just how they are. Maybe we'd be the type of people that say, that's how I was, but I'm growing up. There's things in my life that I'm moving forward in and I'm becoming more mature and I'm coming closer to Christ. The picture of the spiritual life is a constant picture of change and growth. And that is really how we look at, are we in our walk with God moving forward, is am I a different person than I was a year ago? Will you join me in prayer? God, we thank you for these challenging words because... We all can settle sometimes into complacent days, months, even years where nothing dramatically changes. God, I pray that we would be committed to building year over year, taking daily steps and actions to say, I'm growing up, I'm growing towards you. That even in the week to week as my life goes up and down, Still, the long-term trajectory of my life is I'm growing closer to you. So God, I pray in this room for those who maybe feel uh, convicted a little bit that things are kind of the same. I'm kind of the same person I was before. That we'd be encouraged and challenged to not just like be satisfied or lazy as the scripture puts it, but instead to move on move forward, go on to maturity.
So God, we pray right now that you would speak to us. We pray right now that you would help us to understand what that is for us. And God, we commit to you that our relationship with you is not just about maybe a baptism that happened years ago or an event that happened years ago. But God, that week by week, day by day, we would have stories of you building us up, drawing close to us. So God, guide us today. Challenge us to grow deeper. I encourage you just to take a moment and open yourself up. Sometimes it takes silence. Sometimes it takes a pause. Sometimes it even takes a a day or a week of reflection to really figure out what is it next that God is calling you to. But don't be mistaken. God is calling you to something next. God is calling you to move forward and grow deeper and to go on towards maturity. And so the question isn't, is there something? The question is, what is it? What's next? What is God calling you to grow deeper in? It starts by seeking God and your heart being open. It starts by being humble and crying out to God and saying, God, what? show me. Show me the areas of my life that need to grow and improve. And I believe and I trust that those who seek God in that way will find him. So God, reveal yourself to us, we pray. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.